I invite you this morning to turn in your Bibles to the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter number two. We've seen in Malachi that the way that this short prophet is structured is around a series of disputations in which Malachi gives the either the words of the people or their thoughts, the attitudes of the people. And then Malachi responds directly to those words, thoughts, and attitudes with a message from the Lord. And so we've seen that the people of Israel were doubting God's love for them. And so God affirms through Malachi that he loves them, that he has eternally loved them and will eternally love them and will never forsake them. Uh, We saw in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that Malachi came and rebuked the religious leadership, the priests especially, of Israel for accepting faulty sacrifices and offering animals on the burnt altar that were maimed or blind or had other defects. And Malachi accused them of offering worthless worship to the Lord. He accused them in chapter 2 of uh, not caring about their, their important responsibilities of ministering the word teaching the word of God to the people, and then modeling that word through their lives. Last week, we saw that Malachi challenged all of the people with their unfaithfulness to the covenant. And that unfaithfulness expressed itself in many ways. But one of the ways that Malachi rebuked the people is that their unfaithfulness to God demonstrated itself in their unfaithfulness to one another. And they were breaking their agreements with one another. They were divorcing their spouses. They were marrying foreign uh, women who worshipped false gods. And Malachi rebuked the people for their unfaithfulness to their covenant promises to God and to one another. In this passage that we're going to look at this morning, beginning in chapter 2 and verse number 17, the issue at hand is the Lord's justice and the Lord's righteousness and his faithfulness to who he is in his own character. And it seems that uh, one of the issues that Malachi is dealing with is an impatience on the part of the people for God to act, for God to come and act in justice and righteousness and deal with their enemies and deal with those who are wicked And so Malachi has a word for them from the Lord. Verse 17, Malachi chapter 2 says, You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, 
and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. Let's bow in prayer together. Father, today, as we look to your holy word, I pray that you would remind us of who you are. Remind us that you are God, you are the Lord of heaven and earth, and we are not. Remind us that you are completely and fully just and righteous. And also remind us that you are completely and fully sovereign and perfect in all that you do. Remind us, Father, to trust in you. Remind us and warn us to walk in your ways and to be faithful before you. God, teach us of your justice and your righteousness in this passage, we pray. In the name of Christ, amen. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why does God let all of this evil go on in the world? When is God going to to finally come and deal with all of this evil that's going on? And there may be a number of things that may have brought that thought to your mind. I mean, you might look at our country and see the, the millions upon millions of unborn children that have died, that have been aborted because of our selfishness. And we, we might ask, God, when are you going to come and, and bring your justice to this situation? When are you going to come and make this right? Uh, we might look at a very terrible uh, situation in which like a, a mass... Uh, shooting or killing or something like that. Uh, We might look at a a devastating war in the Middle East, or we might look at just, you know, just crime on the rise, uh, deception, uh, politics, all of this stuff that's going on and corruption. And we might see the rise in the the violent and hateful rhetoric that's going on back and forth in in our country today. And we might ask, God, when are you going to come? When are you going to come and make all this right? When, when is all this going to be fixed? We see something along that line here at the beginning of our passage in Malachi 2, verse 17, when the people say, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or at least, where is the God of justice? So there seems to be in the people this idea that, that God doesn't care about what's going on. So they look around and they see their enemies around Judah, around Jerusalem, and they see the, the idolatry, they see the unfaithfulness, they see the, the violence, and they don't see God coming to judge. They don't see God coming to act, and they wonder, does God really care? Is God, in essence, giving his approval of this by not acting? When is God going to come? We see a similar question like that asked in the New Testament. When Peter in Second Peter chapter three expresses some of the skepticism and doubts of the people of his day, when he voices their concern in Second Peter three, uh, where is the promise of the Lord's coming? So apparently there were some people in Peter's day that were asking, "The Lord Jesus ascended to heaven. He said he was coming back. 
where is he? Where is the Lord's coming? And so there might be times in our lives when we become impatient with the Lord's timing with regard to his justice and his faithfulness. But here's the thing that we need to remember is that God is God and we are not, right? God is God and we are not. And and when we start to question the Lord's justice, when we start to question uh, the administration of God's justice, the timing of it, the way that God does it, if we're not careful, we can begin to think of ourselves as a critic of God, which puts us in the judgment seat of, instead of God, doesn't it? Here's the thing that we need to remember is that God is just. He is righteous. There, there is no changing that. There is no changing any of God's attributes of his character, right? You could, any attribute of God you could name, he is perfect, fully, 100% perfect in any of those attributes. And those attributes never change. They never lessen. They never get tired. They never go away. So God is always holy. From, the, from eternity past to eternity future, God is always holy, perfectly holy. He is never 0.0001% less holy than he, than he was ever. Same thing with his justice and his righteousness. God is always 100% just and righteous. But at the same time, we need to acknowledge that there is sin in the world, isn't there? There's sin in the world. There's evil in the world. There are very difficult, violent, hateful things that go on in the world that are contrary to the justice and the righteousness of God. And so we might at some point ask the question, I believe God is just. I believe God is righteous. But when is he going to act on that? When is he going to come and when is he going to fulfill that justice and that righteousness? When is he going to put it into practice here in this world? And that's what they were asking. Where is the God of justice? But here's what Malachi says to them. You have wearied the Lord with your words. You have wearied the Lord with your words. So criticizing God's justice or criticizing the administration of God's justice is presumptuous on one hand, because who are we to question God? But it's also wearisome to God. Because the last thing that God, the God of the universe, the perfect, infinite God of the universe wants from his people is criticism and doubt. What he desires is faith and trust and patience. What we need to remember is that God is just, he is righteous, but he's also long-suffering, isn't he? He's long-suffering, which means that, that God is patient with sin. He's patient with sinners. And that passage I mentioned a few minutes ago in 2 Peter chapter 3, where the people were asking, where's Jesus? Where's the promise of the Lord's coming? Well, in 2 Peter 3, 9, Peter gives the reason why God has not sent Jesus back yet. And that's because God is being long-suffering. And he is allowing opportunity for repentance, for people to turn to Christ in faith before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And so we need to trust in 
the justice of God, and not just in the fact of it, but in God's practice of it, in his administration of it, the way that it unfolds in the world. And we need to be patient because God is long-suffering. He'll bring his justice, he'll bring his righteousness, but it will be in his time. And it's to that that Malachi turns next in chapter 3, verse 1, because his answer to the question of the people, where is the justice of God? Here is his answer. God's going to send his messenger and he's going to send his Messiah. God's going to send his messenger and then he will send his Messiah. The messenger will prepare the way for the Messiah to come. So in other words, Malachi is saying, you're wondering when God's going to act. He's saying God will act. God will act, but it will be in his time. And when he does act in his time, it will be through his messenger and through his Messiah that he will send. So he says in verse 1, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord that you seek, that you're seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. Where's the God of justice? Malachi says he's coming, but he's coming in God's time. And here's the way that it will unfold. First, there will be someone to prepare the way, a messenger. And then following him, the Lord himself will come. The messenger of the covenant, whom you desire, whom you delight in, he will come. When was this fulfilled? Well, earlier in the, in the service this morning, our scripture reading was from Matthew chapter 11, verses 1 through 19. And Jesus says of John the Baptist, quoting Malachi 3.1, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. So in other words, Jesus says, John the Baptist is this messenger that Malachi was talking about in Malachi 3.1. And interestingly enough, what does that mean then for the identity of who Jesus is? He's God. Look what Malachi 3.1 says. I will send my messenger. Who's talking here? God's talking. This is Malachi, but he's speaking on behalf of the Lord. These are God's words. I, God, will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. In other words, according to Malachi, the messenger is going to prepare the way for the coming of God. So when Jesus comes on the scene... Who's the forerunner of Jesus? John the Baptist. He's the messenger, which means Jesus is God. He is the Lord. And interestingly enough, when Jesus quotes this passage, the wording is changed just a bit to signify that truth. That Jesus is the Lord. He is the God that John the Baptist was the messenger to prepare the way for. And he will come to his temple. Jesus came to the temple of God, didn't he? In a few different occasions in the Gospels, we see Jesus' presence in the temple. And at least on one, maybe two occasions, Jesus' presence in the temple means justice for that temple. 
because he comes overthrowing the tables and driving out the animals and driving out the money changers who are making a mockery of the, the place of worship of God and turning it into a place of business. So it's interesting, isn't it, that the people are wondering, when, when is God going to come? We want the God of justice to come and make all of this right. And what Malachi is going to say to them in this passage is, be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for, because God will come to make all things right. But when he does, that means he will not only come to judge them, he will also come to judge you. That's what he's saying in this passage. And so the people of of Judah, the people of Jerusalem at the time, seemed to be fairly self-righteous. And they were wondering, when is God going to come to judge them? And Malachi is going to say, God's going to come, but when he comes, he's going to judge everybody. Them and you. And so be careful what you wish for. So criticizing God's justice is presumptuous. It is tiresome. In response, Malachi says the Lord is going to send his messenger. He is going to send his Messiah to his temple. And then we see in the last few verses of this passage that when the Messiah comes, this chosen one of God, he will come in judgment and everyone will be accountable to him. Everyone will be accountable before the Lord. And so verse 2, Malachi says, Who can endure the day of his coming? Again, be careful what you wish for. You wanted the God of justice? Well, he's going to send the God of justice. The Messiah, his servant of the covenant, is going to come. And when he comes, who's going to be able to endure it? Who's going to be able to withstand that day? Why? Because he will be a refiner. He'll be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner, a refiner of, of silver, and he will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. In other words, when the Messiah comes... Everyone is going to be accountable to him. Everyone. And when he comes, he will purify his people so that what enters into the kingdom of God is that which is pure and righteous and holy. So Jesus will come and purify his people And that purification may involve testing and trial and difficulty, but he is going to, he's going to purify them, refine them as if through fire so that what comes out on the other side is holy and pure and enters into the kingdom of God. But there will also be those on the other side that will be judged even more harshly. Verse 5, he says, So I will come to put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, and perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, and deprive the foreigners among you of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. 
be careful what you wish for. Because there are people in Judah, in Jerusalem, that God is speaking to now through Malachi. Those same people who were wanting God to come and judge their neighbors, God says to them through Malachi, God's coming to judge you. Because there are some of you who are guilty of sorcery. There are some of you who are guilty of adultery. There are some of you who are guilty of perjury. He's talking to Israelites now in verse 5. There are some of you who are defrauding the laborers who work for you and you're not paying them what they are deserved. There are some of you who are oppressing the poor and the widows and the orphans. There are some of you who are depriving the foreigners among you of justice. And here's the greatest condemnation of them. There are some of you who don't even fear me. This list that Malachi gives in Malachi 3.5 is very much like the list or different lists that we see in the New Testament of those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. We see lists like this where those who are liars, adulterers, idolaters will not inherit the kingdom of God. In other words, verse 5 is talking about harsh justice coming on those who thought they knew the Lord, who claimed to know the Lord, who claimed to be a part of his people, but in the end they didn't really fear him and their lives showed that they didn't fear him because they were mistreating people, they were breaking the covenant, they were lying, they were committing adultery. And God says, when I come in justice, I'm going to be coming in judgment of you. It reminds me of what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 when he said, There will be many who will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name, prophesy in in your name and cast out demons in your name? And Jesus will say to them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, because I never knew you. There will be some at the last day who think they're a part of the people of God, but in the end, they'll be convicted of being perjurers and adulterers and unjust to their neighbors and of not fearing the Lord. And they will go out into utter darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, Jesus says. So everyone will be accountable for their sin. Some people, when Jesus comes, he will purify them. He will refine them and he will make them fit for righteous service in the kingdom of God. But those who are guilty, who have never feared the Lord, they will be condemned and they will be destroyed in judgment. It's really kind of an irony in this passage that the people that were saying, God, where is your justice? God, where, where are you? Where is the God of justice? And then in verse 5, it says, there are some of you who are depriving people of justice. And because of that, God's going to come to judge not them, but you. So here's what we need to remember from this passage. One is, God is God, and his justice and the timing of his justice is completely within his sovereign decision. Which means that Jesus is coming back. We just don't know when. 
right? Jesus is coming back. We just don't know when. He will come when God is ready for him to come. And when he comes, he will be the judge that this passage is describing. So let us not doubt, let's not question, let's not criticize the Lord for the way that he runs his world or for the way that he administers his justice. There is coming a time when everything will be made right. There is coming a time, a final day of judgment, when every single person will stand before the judgment seat of the Lord and every single action, every attitude, every word, all of it will be brought out into the open and it will all be rendered just by the God of righteousness and justice. He will take care of it, but it will be in his time. So we need to just wait and trust and believe in that. I think the other main application of this passage is we need to be careful about longing for God to come and judge others in a self-righteous sense. Because we may have blinders on that keep us from seeing our own faults. That when God comes to judge, he will judge us as well. And so anytime that we're quick to point the finger, God, when are you going to come and judge them? Let's take a moment and humble ourselves and ask ourselves, God, is there anything in my heart right now that I should judge now before you come and judge later? Pray and ask God to remove the self-righteous blinders from our eyes. Those self-righteous blinders that, that make it easy for us to see the faults in others, but make it hard to see the faults in ourselves. And here we see it on display with these Israelite people in Malachi's day. It was easy for them to see the faults in others and long for God to come and judge them. It was hard for them to see their own faults that God was going to come and judge. So may we pray that God would remove our blinders so that we could see our own sin and confess that sin. And so that we would be of the kind of verses 2, 3, and 4 that God will purify and make holy and bring into his kingdom. Not those who are hard-hearted and deceived, self-deceived, that don't even truly fear the Lord, who are going to be consigned to eternal judgment and punishment, in verse 5. Let us be those of tender heart, of a broken and contrite spirit, who are open then to the refining and purifying process of the Lord. May we be of those who are purified, not those who are condemned. So yes, may we long for the God of justice to come, but may we long for that in humility, recognizing that we too are sinners and need to be purified. Let's bow in prayer together. Our Father God, we thank you that you're a God, yes, of righteousness and of justice. But we thank you also that you're a God who is patient, who is long-suffering with sinners. 
We're thankful that you provide time and opportunity for sinners to repent. We thank you that you come to sinners and seek them out to open their eyes, to awaken them from spiritual death so that they might see, so that we might see our own sin and confess and repent and be saved. We're thankful, Father, that you are a God who does what is right, a God who is sovereign, a God who will bring justice in your time. And Lord, we do long for that. We long for this world to be made perfect in holiness and righteousness and truth. And Lord, we desire as your people, we desire to be a part of that eternal righteous kingdom. And so Lord, purify us now, refine us as gold and silver, even now, and then refine us once again when you come so that we might be glorified and brought into your eternal kingdom. Lord, walk with us and help us to walk with you as your people. And we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.